Ah, finally we're back here again. You sound like you haven't been here forever. You're very spirited today. Is it because you enjoy my company a lot so far? <laughs> sure, also that. They gave me tons of tasks at work this week, so I was really looking forward to horsing around. But I'm not going to lie. I miss our little jabbering sessions together. Oh, okay. I admit that this has become my getaway place, too. Well, remember the times when our getaway places were like... Going to the Caribbean, enjoying the sun. I need the summer holidays back immediately. Yeah, same here, buddy. I miss traveling. The other day, I was checking some photos from last summer when I was flying to Chile. I remember feeling amazed even on the way. I was watching the Pacific from above. I just kept looking at it. Aha! Uh -huh. Well, now I understand why you specifically wanted to talk about some strange stuff about the Pacific and the Atlantic for today. Yeah, I thought, I can put a spotlight on their nature. I didn't realize how gigantic they were before. I was taught some basic info like oceans cover more than 70% of the earth, blah, 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 at school. I didn't go beyond it before. Yeah, even our bodies are mostly made of water. So if water is the basis of life, think how many unexpected things may be hidden there. All these years, so many unsolved stories ended up in the mystery of the deep, dark oceans. Right, like Titanic that we already talked about in one of our previous episodes. For me, when I see it, especially from above, the ocean is very enigmatic. On the other hand, when I check it on a simple map, I just say it's just water surrounding the continents. Since they are all shown as typical blue on the map, we tend to think as if somebody just randomly painted the gaps between the continents. But for sure, there is more than that. They are named differently, so they each have borders. Honestly, I used to think, like, water's water. It's the same anywhere. And who made you change your mind? That would be you, old pal. I was so surprised when you sent me that photo of the vivid border between the Pacific and Atlantic Oceans. For those who have never happened to see it, there is literally a visible line separating the ocean, and they are not the same kind of blue at all. How does that even happen? Ultimately, they're both water. Aren't they just supposed to flow into each other? Of course not. Come on, you've just told me that you used to think that, quote, waters are the same anywhere. Ha ha, okay. Well, you need to give me more solid examples, though. Well, let's think that you order an ice latte. How does it look? Oh, delicious. Nope. Just think about the moment you just look at it before you taste it. Ah. Uh, hmm. Well, I see white milk and brown coffee in a cup. But they are not mixed, right? Nope. I usually need to mix the layers into each other with a spoon. This happens because of the liquid's different temperature and density. The same phenomenon applies to the oceans. The Pacific and the Atlantic have different density, salinity, and other qualities. So these borders, resulting from different salinity, are called haloclines. When I say different salinity, I mean one of the waters should be at least like five times saltier than the other. Oh, I see. But the layers of my iced latte are horizontal. When I check the ocean border images, these halo-whatever are vertical. How do you explain that? Haloclines? Nice point, by the way. The difference in density of water of the two oceans is not that great for one of them to get down and the other to rise up. So this difference in their density is enough not to let them mix? Exactly. Did you also realize something about the direction of the ocean currents? Yeah, uh, as I remember, the surface currents may go in different directions in the two oceans. Mm -hmm. This happens thanks to Coriolis Force. Have you ever heard of it? Is that a group of superheroes? No, I, I don't remember, really. Well, simply, Earth is moving constantly. This rotation causes this Coriolis effect, which changes the direction of the moving things. 
like currents. Depending on the hemispheres, these currents will move into different directions. The ones in the northern hemisphere will go to the right, while the ones in the southern hemisphere will go to the left. This is also another reason why the oceans don't mix. How did you just become the cool guy of this program? You know, I need to mention some cool info too. I heard that these currents are really crucial. Like caring mothers, they carry some food to some organisms living in a spot permanently. <laughs> Thanks for the info. You can take your cool title back now. You're welcome. Anyway, one last thing to add. Oceans have different molecule strengths. The strength of the molecules makes it possible to connect by holding each other. When this strength is different, it, again, leads to this border of the oceans. This is also so cool. We've only mentioned the Pacific and Atlantic so far. Are there other oceans or kinds of water that don't mix? Of course. I'll name some more just in case our listeners would like to check them out for themselves. The North and Baltic Sea, the Caribbean and Atlantic, the Green and Colorado Rivers, Ills, Danube, and In Rivers. Even rivers? Exactly. That was all I could tell from my part. Now, it's your turn. Tell me what you've got. So, as a reminder of your last summer trip to Chile, which inspired you to dive into this topic of the oceans, I'm also taking you somewhere in Chile today. Hmm, I wonder where. To Easter Island. Some may know it as Rapa Nui. Oh, now I know. The island with some huge statues. Now please, they have a name. Moai. Okay. Enlighten us with Moai's biography, please. Let's all be explorers for a moment. Go ahead, put on your explorer hat. You are sailing in the Pacific Ocean, thousands of miles away from Chile's mainland. And there seems to be a really small green island. Would you like to explore it? I guess right now I don't really have an option to say no. <laughs> I'll take that as a yes from you. You set your foot on this place where there's not a single soul around. You see some big rocks from afar. Shall we have a look? Yeah. Keep walking. As you get closer, you actually realize that they are not rocks. They have some faces, and they are way bigger than humans. At this point, honestly, I would be scared a little, then question who made them and how. Now, this is what people also questioned at first. They thought that the statues were made up only of their heads. In 2012, they actually found that there are full bodies attached to these faces. The body parts are hidden underground. Since it's a volcanic island, most of them were carved from rock called volcanic tuff. In other words, it is a rock made of volcanic ash. Oh, come on, don't steal my spotlight, please. Anyway, the statues carry the name Moai, except for one, Tukuturi. Tukuturi? <laughs> Tukuturi would be a great tongue twister. I'm trying to repeat it in my head right now. So what's so special about Tukuturi? Well, that one has a different posture. It's kneeling. Scientists say that it might depict an ancient singer. It stands out with its more human-like face and being smaller than the others. Smaller? Um, I forgot to ask, how tall are these statues? Well, they all have different heights, but the biggest one measured is 33 feet, and it weighs 90 tons. Later on, they found an incomplete one. It was supposed to be even bigger, 70 feet in height, and almost 300 tons in weight. I can't even imagine that. Is there any explanation as to how those settlers moved these heavy statues, then? For now, we have some theories. I'll let you decide what to believe. Bring it on. But let me guess one of the theories. Other living beings around us. Of course. When there's a mystery, there's always going to be that sort of theory. But we already learned that the Moais were built with a tuff of an active volcano on the island, so they cannot be from another planet. Exactly. 
There's another backed-up theory, though. A group of American scientists came together to make a replica and tried tying ropes around the statues and moved them with a walking motion. They managed to move it around 300 feet, actually. Okay, this one spoils all the magic now. But still, even if it is enough to have a small number of people to move them, there has to be thousands of people to build so many statues. If the island is so small, how could all fit in? Wow, well, you know what? They actually conducted a study on that. Guess how many people could live on the island? I don't know, maybe 5,000? They found out around 17,000 could fit in. So, there were enough people who could carve the statues. Wow, I did not expect that much at all. I mean, they already had fertile soil thanks to the volcano, so they probably could farm some potatoes to feed on. And we should count seafood as well. Then, this leads us to the critical question. How did these folks disappear? There are theories like ecocide, but like you've just said, they could take advantage of fertile soil. They also had a good knowledge of agriculture, so I think this theory doesn't make sense in this case. Any reasonable one you could tell? For me, a more realistic one is about European traders. The population decreased when they started visiting the island. Eventually, maybe some people were taken away or forced to migrate because of an outbreak. And there happens the inevitable end for an outstanding nation with such a miracle. Sadly, if the island wasn't so far away, I'd definitely give it a go to see that miracle. Yeah, but there are some people who could go that far away. Tell me how to get there. What, some people like you? Then you should take a flight from Santiago. It takes five hours. That's the only way. Great. I'll make you jealous if I ever go and visit it one day. Surprise me. BTW, we still have some time left. Shall we continue with our common blowout topic? Yeah, let's keep pretending to be an explorer and travel to another ancient place again. Okay, well, you can be the explorer. It's a place where I already explored when I was a child. Wow, then you should show me some evidence of you pretending to hold Sphinx by your side. I have an even cooler pose. You'll see, talking about all the mysteries today, of course we couldn't avoid the magnificent civilization that still makes us wonder how the pyramids might have been built. Especially the Great Pyramid. Namely, the Pyramid of Khufu, for which hundreds of ancient Egyptians carried huge blocks of limestone and granite to Giza. Or maybe other beings carried them? Ha ha, your favorite theory as always. I read somewhere those limestones were polished so well that it could be seen even from the moon. Maybe it could be seen from any other planet too? Well, if we're going into the theory field, let's talk about what's so special about the Great Pyramid. I'll go first. It was unique because it had lots of inner passages going up and down. When I picture the passages in my mind, I feel like I'm hearing some creepy humming. Yeah, it triggered me to watch the Mummy movie again. One of these passages is called the Grand Gallery. There was an astronomer who actually measured it with the pyramid inch, and he thinks it serves as a history book of both the past and the future of the Earth. The future? Huh, gotta be kidding. Doesn't the pyramid itself have a strange measurement anyway? When you look at the pyramid, you'll basically say it has four sides, right? I mean, the base looks square, so I'd say four. Well, not exactly. It's said to have eight sides, as well as being aligned with the stars in Orion's belt. When you check out some photos from above, it's noticeable. Wow, some scientists don't want to accept this, but I think Egyptians had unbelievable math knowledge. There are also some arguments about what these pyramids were built for. They take us to holy origins of the pyramid. For some people, they were Joseph's granaries, described in the Old Testament. Yeah, well, I also heard that there was a British publisher who claimed that Noah built it. 
Like Noah from Noah's Ark? That's the guy. Even if we understand the purpose, it's still hard to believe how such an ancient civilization was so talented to move millions of stones to build the Great Pyramid, which was the tallest human-made structure for so many years. There was actually a really good method that was found in a 4,500-year-old scroll of papyrus found in Wadi al-Jarf. It turns out that it was actually the Diary of Mirror, a worker back at that time. Oh, did he write about the construction process? Yeah. <laughs> I'd prefer some gossip and plots. Imagine you're building this huge structure. Do you think Mirror had time to witness some plots and forbidden love? Why not? Well, he clearly explained how their daily lives were so busy with transportation. They worked on a system where they transformed the land to divert water from the Nile and direct it to the pyramid through artificial canals. What, to carry those huge granite blocks? Yeah. It would take three days on a boat. Archaeologists found evidence of it beneath the Giza Plateau, where the central canal was flowing. There were seven boat pits located around the pyramid as well. Even some ceremonial boats were found. You know, this method makes so much sense. They used physics. I think they were really talented. I wish Mirror had also explained how the blocks got piled up to form the pyramid, though. Oh, uh, about that part. Some claim it was thanks to acoustic levitation. Ooh, I can't imagine those huge blocks floating on air. Can you explain the technique to our listeners? Okay, okay. With this technique, stone blocks defy gravity and move over the ground thanks to sound vibration. Of course, whether they use this method isn't really proven. That's still part of the mystery. And you know what? Maybe it should stay unsolved like this. Maybe that's the only way not to be forgotten in today's fast-moving world. Hmm. You're seeing it from an emotional point now. Which one matters more? Not being forgotten or being completely understood? I'm going to let history decide for it. You know, today I've increased my appetite for seeing new lands quite a bit. Should we go and really see these places for ourselves? Yeah, me too. I feel like after ending this episode, we might buy a plane ticket out of a spontaneous decision. Hey, you pick one place, I'll follow you, buddy. We can order a ice latte at the airport for you too. Yeah, you made me crave for it today. Now, let's go back to our reality. Anyways, we hope that everything has been so far so good today for all you listening. Warm hugs to everyone, and catch you next time!